All right, the hiatus is over. The sports world has gotten so insane that the boys had to reassemble and night to the round table and talk about the NFL and college football and if we're going to get a full NBA season at this point. So the sports fountain had to come back because our people need us. We got Joe, we got Mike, we got Anthony. We're going to kick it off with the head coaching carousel, which now includes almost a third of the league looking for head coaches. Seven jobs are open. Seven jobs, 32 teams. We'll get into it. We'll start off alphabetically. The Atlanta Falcons, I'm pretty sure, pulled the plug first, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that's true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. Houston, wasn't it Houston? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, way back Atlanta in. did it five games in. Houston did it four games in. You're right, by a game. Yeah, yeah. But Atlanta, you got to figure you have an older, an aging quarterback, an aging star wide receiver. Not a whole lot of young talent on offense, not a whole lot of young talent on defense. So whoever comes in there, it's pretty much a rebuild, right? I would say Agreed. Yeah. Their 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 O line, I don't like I don't know what their like greater efficiency was this year, but I remember like a year or two, I think two years, they invested both first rounders in yeah linemen. So I think their O line could be the one thing they don't need to focus on. But again, I didn't really like yeah. I didn't really watch them. They were putting up points, but it's really defense they need to focus on. Yeah. I mean, outside of Deion Jones and their D tackle, Garrett Jarrett, they don't have a whole lot of talent on defense. That's why I'm thinking they might stick with who they already have. I think Raheem Morris might keep the job into next year. Mm. I haven't heard them I, tied I, I agree to, with a whole that. Lot of other, to a lot of other coaches. Um, he coached them the four and four towards the end. They looked a little bit more inspired. Yeah, they were playing um, so think, harder. Yeah, I think Atlanta might stay in-house on this one. I have another idea that could be something that comes in with Atlanta. if they Because they're, they're in search for a new GM too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they could blow it all up, honestly. And if they're going to blow it all up, I think an interesting candidate that, for that would be Joe Brady. Yeah, I got yeah. him too. A young guy to come in and kind of – because he might, he might be a little early to the show with head coaching – with the little experience that he has, but he's proven to be pretty good. Yeah. So if you bring him in with a GM, trade some of their bigger pieces, could be something that – because if you want to hire a young coach that you can have for a bunch of years, that could be your guy. Yeah, I think it's very important. I think it really depends on, like, what like what GM they hire. Because, like, I don't, I don't know Matt Ryan's contract situation or Julio Jones's contract. But I'm sure if you were, you were to trade them, that's going to put your cap situation in the cellar for at least a year, or maybe yeah. even longer. So, like, I don't I don't know from a contract standpoint if that's something you want to do. But what I do think I it's know? safe to say both of those guys weren't going to get extended or re-signed at this point in their careers anyway. So yeah. you're better off getting some sort of value before it's too late. Um, is I don't know as much, as much as I like Joe Brady, like is he? Is he the guy to take on like a full scale rebuild like that? I mean, I know he didn't have a ton to work with this year in Carolina, and he's a good offensive mind, but I mean, the proof isn't isn't there yet. Yeah, that he can lead a unit, let alone a team. Yeah, I just think that would be better for him than going into a job where they might like say for like the Chargers per se, where you could argue that they're a few pieces away. Yeah, but mm-hmm. if you want to go a full scale rebuild and let Joe Brady become a better coach as the years go on. If you're ready to show that patience, yeah, yeah. I, I, which I think Atlanta needs to do, honestly. We can jump into that one because I actually think – I thought the Chargers this year were 
a lot of times a head coach and a healthy roster away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I very no, much agree with that. Yeah, they no Derwin James quarterback. But I don't know. I feel like I feel like Mike. We we definitely talked about this in the group chat, and if unless I'm wrong, you you weren't pinning this all on Anthony Quinn, right? Lynn. Oh, Lynn. Oh, so throughout the year, like the one, I mean, the story of like the Chargers and like kind of ironically, we already just talked about them. The Falcons was just blowing leads, like consistent, yeah. like consistently blowing leads. The Chargers at the end went on a four game. <coughs> I don't know what yeah. week it was, but I know near the end, Anthony Lynn took over all special team like duties. And if not like more of like, fully just taking on like both coordinator responsibility. I don't really know. I don't fully pin him. And at the same time, when you're going up in game, when you're doing this in games, like, I, like there's obviously part to blame with the coach. If all of a sudden your team can't score or their defense can't hold anybody. But at the same time, like if you're putting up like 30 points a game and then you're blowing like a 20 point lead, like I don't look as much toward him because I'm pretty sure he's not a defense. Like he might, act, is he a defensive like previous defense? I think he was. I think he was the running backs coach for the Jets at one point. He was on the Jets. Right? He was the coach. He was on. That was like a while back. Yeah, that was like ten years ago. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure he was more offense. So that's like an issue with your defense. Like, did also like not super related. Did they have Derwin James this year or was he out? No, no, he was out this year. Okay, that's what I thought. Like. They were missing a lot. They had some key pieces on defense that were missing out. Offense, I mean, like Keenan Allen was healthy a decent amount, although he's Keenan Allen, so he was hurt a lot. But, like, the promising thing was, like, we saw Justin Herbert, like, ball. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're so – my thing – yeah, my thing was, like, I don't think – it was, like, he, like, clearly his talent was being exceeded than what everyone thought. So – if say they kept Lynn for another year, I think they only could have gone up because the issue, it wasn't like Lynn not getting potential out of uh, Herbert or like the offense. I just think it was one of those things where a lot of things came together and they needed a a guy to take the blame. And he was like the one taking the blame because when when you lose Eckler for most of the season, like you you don't have to sure they lost Mike Williams for a while too. Yeah, yeah, they, they lost him for a while. Keenan Allen was on and off. Like, like they definitely, like, had some struggles. I, I agree with that. But the problem I have is, like, when you're blowing leads like that, like, we see stuff like, like – they had some big leads. I think that there was a couple games they had two touchdown leads, 17-point leads that they were blowing. Yeah. We, I mean, we'll talk about this later. But last night, like, you saw when a great coach has a lead, you just chip away with these big drives, chip away with these big drives. And it didn't look like the Chargers or Falcons could do that which is why they blow leads, which mainly comes down to coaching. Yeah. Play calling to chip away at these leads or chip away at time. Like Alabama went on those big, like eight minute drives, two of them in the third quarter, which pretty much iced the game. I mean, yeah, Alabama was going to win regardless. Cause yeah. like, just like, they were like, they're but like all- that's for a later discussion, but just the good coaching, what I'm talking about with a lead. Yeah. Every and time I- Ohio state got some kind of momentum, they came back with one of those like five minute touchdown drives that killed mm-hmm. time and exactly. just kind of put them in the backseat. Yeah, so if you can get a great coach that can figure those situations out, I think they're in a much better situation. I, I agree, but I also feel like 
the part that's not fully on the coach, like when you like a rookie quarterback is obviously running the offense too. And I know like the coach is like calling plays, but I feel like that's also just like inexperience on the field of being like that type of like game manager. I think the furthest thing from their problems though this year was anything Justin Herbert related though. Like he was the brightest yeah. spot on that team rather yeah, than was... the issue. I think they blew leads. Yeah, that was makes it one. a very attractive job. Agreed, yeah. but they also like stopped putting up points. They weren't just blowing the leads like continuously. Stores like you're up 17, you're not blowing a lead if you're still scoring. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like just from watching their games, like you look at so many other glaring issues that like a rookie quarterback was trying to patch together, rather than like everything else functioning fine and Herbert stalling out. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't like didn't Lynn though like. Well, he had a great record last year. That was two years ago. That was Philip. Two years ago. What was their record? Well, last it year was, was 12, great, right? Yeah. The, last year uh, was two, awful because Rivers yeah, fell apart. Yeah, two years ago, which was basically Philip, which was uh, Rivers' like last good year. They were 12-4, and four, and they lost to New England in the second round. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, whoever, whatever coach is going to go in there, like, I feel like they're going to be good regardless just because, like – they were again. They were one of those teams that easily could have like ten wins right now, and just like. Yeah. Did anybody yeah. watch the Indianapolis um, Buffalo game? Yes. Like Philip yes. Rivers, I think throws the highest percentage of just bad balls and just ducks of NFL starting quarterbacks. They all come out of his hand like slow and wobbly anymore. Yeah, Cam Newton does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, like the arm talent is just completely and totally gone. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know if he's done because, like, I mean, he did – the Colts had, what, 11 wins or 10 wins? I think they had 11. Yeah. Like, they did have 10 or 11 wins with, like – like, again – so, like, he might – he'll probably just get – I assume he'd probably be, like, a guy. I could so see him going to, like – like, I don't know, just, like, another, like, one-year contract. I mean, the Colts, I think, were actually really smart with that one-year contract. I don't know what their future is, if it's Eason or if, like, they plan to go someone in the draft, if someone's still there. Like, but they now need a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, you obviously saw, like, they have a ceiling with Phillip Rivers because their run game, Jonathan Taylor ended up with being the third highest rusher this year, yeah. yards-wise, yeah. which yeah, is very sneaky, but he was. Sick, so they're yeah, they're all on his sick. Anthony Costanzo did retire. That's going to end up hurting a little bit. But – yeah. If you look at some things with the Colts, their defense is awesome. Yeah, that like, that that DeForest Buckner trade was probably the best trade last year. Agreed. That, yeah. that and the Hopkins trade. That's why, mm-hmm. which we'll get into later. That's why I love Eberflus or however you pronounce that dude's name, because he's turned a lot of like, Eberflus. Eberflus, yeah. A lot of those guys on that defense are not like big names, and their defense was locks. True. So another one that. I think it's closer to contending than they looked this year was Detroit. I mean, it's towards the end of the Matt Stafford years, and he might not even come back. But, I mean, I think Matt Stafford's an immensely talented quarterback. They have enough. They have two pretty solid weapons on the outside. So I think they go with somebody who's experienced and can get them winning sooner than later, which I think might be Marvin Lewis. To Detroit? In Detroit. Yeah. Nah. Nah, I stop. Don't know. Lewis. Dude, I love the guy. He, he didn't win a single playoff game in, like, 16 years, right? Yeah, he yeah, was 0-7. I'm just saying, like, I'm sorry I haven't heard them link to anybody else. 
See, here's the thing though: when With when Marvin all... Lewis first got the, first got to Cincinnati, they were a mess, and he actually turned them around and made them like, I guess, like a mature team. And I think because, and I think Detroit is just going to rebuild, and I think that's what, like, and I think that's what they need. So it wouldn't be bad from that perspective. But if you're going to try and win, like, I wouldn't go with them. I'm just thinking that, like, after Matt Patricia's debacle, like, any kind of culture that was once built in Detroit is now just completely gone Um, because no one could take him seriously. He couldn't – I mean, he wasn't even taken seriously by, like, his other coaches, some of the stuff he was saying. So I think bringing in somebody who has built a somewhat successful culture – not a championship culture, but, I mean, the Cincinnati teams were at least respected for the most part. I mean, I think they could get them back on the right track. But who, I mean, who do you guys think would uh, go to Detroit at this point? Detroit, you got to go with like just something like energizing and new, in my opinion. Like, yeah. There's a lot, like with New York and LA, both those markets having open positions, it's like kind of hard because Detroit's a big market, but it's like kind of suppressed when you look at it. Same with Atlanta. Like, it, like, like Detroit's usually like one of like, the biggest markets, but you have, like, I'm pretty sure Atlanta's a bigger market than Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it's a bigger city for uh, sure. If not, they're very yeah. similar. They're very similar. Yeah. But I feel like, like, with New York and L.A. again, like, most coaches, if they get offered, like, those jobs, they're going to want it, I would assume. But, like, my top candidates, like, you, they need something just, like, new because they have, like, good young players and, like, Swift and Galladay and stuff, like – they got to go like a dabble or something like a good offensive coordinator or be enemy or be enemy. Like, yeah. Well, Galladay's a free agent this year. He is. Well, yeah, I was, that gives them an opportunity to kind of let them like, I don't know the thing is the big question is obviously always going to come back to the quarterback. Like his staff yeah. are going to come back. They also need a GM, which is another, which is another question in the equation. Cause if you hire a GM that just wants to blow everything up, then I, then you probably don't go like a Brian Dabble or or an, another OC. You probably go well, for like more of a Marvin Lewis, which is the culture type builder. Well, question: What would what what would like they blow up with Detroit right now, though? Well, you would trade Stafford. You would let. It's not like blowing up. Well, like most well, of the time, I think of blowing up as trading your franchise quarterback. That's yeah, blowing because up. because if you're going to trade Matt Stafford, you're basically not going to win more than three games. Not, uh, I just yeah. blowing up. I like, I get that, but there's also like the period where trading your franchise quarterback, it's like clearly time to move on. I don't see it as blowing up. Matt Stafford, I feel like, is one of those weird scenarios where I think he's still like he's underrated, but he's also overrated at the same time. Like, people say yeah, he doesn't get enough credit, but the people saying he doesn't get enough credit are giving him more credit than he actually deserves. Like, yeah. there's like you have to kind of meet in the middle. I just think he's an average quarterback. So yeah. do I, and that's yeah. why at I, this I, moment I think, in his like, career, if you were to trade him like this year with this draft, like depending like what coach they get, like dude, all these all these teams need which are all like horrible. Like besides really, um, Houston who actually doesn't have their pick, so it doesn't matter. I was gonna say like needs like a quarterback besides like Cincinnati too. So like you could you could easily see like a coach going in Detroit. I don't know what pick they have, but they're pro- they're like they got to be early. They had an off. Yeah, they're like top. I think they're like top five. But like, kind of with like the Atlanta job, dude. Like a coach, like 
Atlanta, I could tell you right now, probably wants Justin Fields because he's from Georgia, like all that type. Like Lawrence is obviously gonna be gone if like. I just feel like a lot of these coaches, like if a coach goes to Detroit, you have Swift. Like if you retain Galladay, like you have uh, Hawkinson. Like you got some. Junior. You got a lot. What? Jones Jr. still there. Yeah, yeah. Like you have you have a lot of stud young guys on that offense that you can kind of just if you get like a new quarterback that you want to make like your own, because I feel like that's a big thing with coaches. Like you just want to get your own quarterback and like kind of makes it like think like you're on your own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same reason. Like you don't draft, you don't pick a coach before a GM. Because yeah. if the GM doesn't like him, then it's not his guy. Same thing yeah. with a coach and a quarterback. The problem with Matt Stafford is that he's he's 32 right now. But, like, how much longer do you have have him in his prime until Detroit is actually viable again? I think yeah. that's, like, the major question. That's where I think, like, you're better off just trading him and, like, just starting over and then you just start. I think Matt Stafford could be the Phillip Rivers of this offseason, where, like, if you think you're only a quarterback away and your window is one or two years at best, he makes sense. Maybe he goes to – maybe maybe he actually goes to Indy. And just, they just keep cycling through old-ass quarterbacks? Or, yeah. <laughs> Or San Francisco, because they apparently don't like Jimmy G. There's a lot of teams who would love Jimmy G, I think, if he hit the open market. Ah. Apparently, a lot of word that the Jets would trade Darnold to San Francisco and Shanahan would try and turn him around. Because he's from California, like all that type of stuff. Like he had, like he has, I think the talent, is, it's a matter if it's too late or not. I think he can still definitely be turned around. Like, I mean, it's yeah. not like he's Josh Rosen where there's no hope anymore. Like, Darnold has still shown flashes of the same talent each season. Yeah, no, nah, Darnold had the worst coach in the NFL in like a long time. Like, if it's just like I don't know if he's gonna be what he was like expected to be, but I guess San Francisco would be a team of team yeah. because apparently they really do want to like get out and get on with Jimmy G. I don't know why because I think he like he just brought you guys to a Super Bowl last year and he was hurt this year, so. I don't know why all of a sudden it's kind of flipped, but. Well, that brings us to our next topic of people not appreciating Super Bowl wins. Um, the Eagles are blowing up pretty much the organization. Are we going to give uh, <laughs> are we gonna give Brandon a chance to rant right now? I think we should yeah, give him 60 seconds. Brandon, I, say honestly, what you want. 60 seconds, go. Uncensored, go. On tape, I honestly want to get back into the same debate Mike and I were having because I wasn't satisfied at the end Here of that. Was I. <laughs> <laughs> because the fact that, like, A, you're totally on board. Wait, let's, let's go back to where we, where do we leave this off at? You want the Eagles to take a quarterback for some odd reason? No, 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 no. I just said, I don't think, I said, <laughs> I don't believe Devontae Smith will be there at six. And then you guys were just saying how badly you need Devontae Smith. And I said, you guys just love to complain how you have no offensive weapons. When you drafted your first round tight end two or three years ago, you drafted your receiver last year. Yeah. Like Justin Jefferson was the better pick in this, but you guys gave Rager like seven games and are just saying like, he sucks. Cause you guys just love to just like say these guys suck with like Miles Sanders is a stud. Like, yeah, but no one says Miles Sanders sucks. Rager is good. Like, give the ball yeah, Miles Sanders yeah, Ertz and Jeffrey are old, but like they can still play. Like, like well, Ertz, Jeffrey can't Ertz, play. Ertz, Ertz can still can play. play. Jeffrey, Jeffrey's done. <laughs> You're the last one with Jeffrey. He should have been cut. Like I promise. Yeah, he should have been yeah. cut. 
Yeah, he and Joe Scenic, and you'll get married and ride off into the sunset. Yeah, he may not be good, but like you guys act like you have like a bottom five like offensive talent, and you guys are probably like I'm not even kidding, like middle of the pack. I'm, okay, I thought you were gonna say top five. <laughs> that would, that no, would but it's it's just that. like I think you have a lot. Like you guys have a lot of other needs, and yeah, Devontae Smith is sick, but I'm telling you, he's probably not gonna be there. So. I think the offensive line need is blown out of proportion. Like our offensive line this year was probably the one of the worst in history with the 13 different yeah. uh, looks and all that. That's what really figure, told you. Yeah, you're missing Lane Johnson for most of the season. He's always Brooks. in the Pro Bowl conversation. Brandon Brooks was gone. Andre Dillard wasn't playing. Jason Peters was inexplicably wedged in there out of the nursing home. Um, and there's some young guys. Like my Lotta looked pretty good. When Dillard comes back, he'll be on the left side like – the O-line isn't my biggest concern. I think the defense will be good enough. I would like to get Micah Parsons if I can't get a hold of um, Devontae uh, Smith or whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah, in the first round. <laughs> um, but I still think – I don't know. I just think more weapons, like especially have a quarterback controversy with two guys who maybe can play, we're not sure, would answer a lot of questions. <laughs> like, I, like, I agree you need more weapons. And, like, when I think about it more, just – like this year, I feel like it's just like a weird draft. Like the top ten, just to me, is just like I don't even. I like to me, the top ten is literally like the the like three quarterbacks: Sewell or Sewell, however it's pronounced, Smith, Chase, and like like I, I don't know. Like it's literally like the same like seven or eight names I can. Only There's a tackle from Northwestern that's pretty good too. There's like two oh, top yeah, ten picks it? that are going to be offensive linemen. Yeah. Gotta like give, it's got to give Northwestern some respect on the podcast. Like yeah. there's no like premier edge rushers. There's no like insane corners that are like, it's very limited. So that's why I think like, yeah, like Smith, like is, I guess would like make sense because now I think about like you guys have a lot of needs, but I guess those needs aren't really suited for the sixth pick. Like Smith would probably be the best pick at six. Again, though, I don't think he's going to be there. Good question. Why didn't Howie Roseman get fired? Um, because Jeffrey Lurie, um, as much as he would like to pretend to be, he's not the brightest football mind. Fun fact, he actually never did any of these decisions prior to when Chip Kelly got fired. He was a completely hands-off, money-only owner. Chip Kelly went so poorly, he took control back over on the team, but doesn't fully understand football. So Howie Roseman explains to him what's happening. Mm. So the guy he was telling you how people are doing their job isn't going to get canned. I mean, if you look at the roster... That's one way to get canned. Oh yeah, the most like the most expensive roster in like probably the NFC, and then one of the worst rosters also in the NFC. He, he hasn't drafted a he hasn't drafted a Pro Bowler in five years. The last one he drafted was Carson Wentz. Last yep. Pro Bowl. He's zero for thirty nine. <laughs> oh for thirty nine. Yep. I mean, well, I mean, well, you're gonna have to trade once at some point. That's are we? I don't. When you fire Doug, I think you commit to Wentz again. Because the thing is, Wentz um, chances of staying have increased dramatically. They said, "Yeah, because he and Doug hated each other." Well, he did not like Doug at all. Yeah, I'm telling you, Reich was the reason. Like Reich was the reason. Like that team was just sick. And Joe Douglas, Reich and Joe Douglas put that team together. Joe Joe put the players in place, and Reich knew what to do with them. Literally, because since he's left, Howie Roseman is actually a trash GM. We just thought he was good because Douglas did his job for him. And we thought Doug was a great offensive mind, which he very clearly is not. Which makes him perfect for the New York Jets <laughs> position. <laughs> nice segue. 
<laughs> Joe Douglas is he getting an interview? More than oh, he's he... definitely getting the job. No question, he is getting the job. <laughs> I no, am. No, but like, have they like? Can I bet on like, that? Have they like? Have they like requested to interview him? Though is my question. Huh. I mean, have he got fired like... yesterday. I feel like you got to give him like some time. Peterson, yeah, like I've heard Peterson wants to take twenty twenty one off. I've heard he wants to consult with his wife before deciding on twenty twenty one. But I think I think if the Jets offer him an interview and he gets to stay somewhat in the area, go work for Joe Douglas again, I think he goes. Is the question if you guys offer? Well, I think the Jets already have like the top of their list made up, and they're not going to step off the gas to like wait for him and his wife to consult what he wants to do. So I don't believe he would end up in New York. They just offered or not offer. They just they just flew out Salah today for a second round like in person interview. That's like the first one we've heard. I don't know if there's going to be more to come. I would assume like you'll probably get Dabble. You'll probably get probably get Arthur Smith. Eberfluss or it's pronounced and you probably get like Staley. <laughs> like I, I like I like there's a, a lot of the defensive coordinators are like good like culture like CEO type coaches like the Jets are looking for. So I think like those three defensive coordinators and then Dabble – like those, I would say, are probably like the top four. Like I early on, like I feel like the B enemy like was just like hyped. Like that's the guy. That's the guy. But I think he's going to LA. He'll he'll go somewhere, but I don't think I go to Houston if 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 Deshaun Watson wants him. I think he goes to Houston. See, I don't think he does now though, because Deshaun publicly came out and said he asked for B enemy to be interviewed. They chose not to, and then they're trying to save face and interview him now. It. it I mean. It depends what happens. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, look, if your main goal is to keep Deshaun Watson, you probably are going to hire the guy he wants to be coached by. That would make sense. But this is the Houston Texans we're talking about. Who yeah, just, that is that is also true. They sent D-Hop West for like a bag of packing peanuts. So second round pick and David Johnson's horrible contract. And David Johnson's horrible self. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't like I didn't watch the Jets enough, but like I was your defense the problem? Because I feel like you guys have had a dysfunctional offense for as long as I can remember, and you guys are going defensive-minded. Well, the whole thing with Gase, like like what everyone says, was like it was all about like the offensive-minded quarterback whisperer type thing, and that oh. just <laughs> <laughs> like you like like it like we real like ever like not we as in the Jets like we as in like just like watching sports like us like you need a coach that can like create a culture because if like you're not getting a culture there and you can't like you're you're not being like respected by your team like it doesn't matter like what you're doing I think basing your coaching search off of what just happened with Gase is like one of the worst things the Jets can do because he's such a strange phenomenon where he was just such a horrible candidate that like that's not going to apply to this next round of people. Like you can't base it off of not doing Gase again because Gase was just an outlier. I'll tell you this: Frank Bush did a great job after Williams got fired. He came in and his defense held both the Rams and the Browns to probably I think the Browns was like twenty-two and the Rams. Uh, I can't remember what the Rams was, but he just came in and his defense with a bunch of undrafted free agents, defensive back, all this, like locked him down. And those were two games where 
the Rams and the Browns weren't taking lightly because they need, they still need to win those games because there was no guarantee they were in. And once they lost those, their chances, like the Browns and Rams both almost missed the playoffs. Yeah. And see what that says to me is that we go offensive minded now because your DC is locked up. I mean, he's not going to go from like position, a positions coach to DC to a head coach elsewhere. Like you have a defensive coordinator you're comfortable with. So I don't know why you go defensive guru on top of that. In general, for coaching everywhere, though, I think, like, I realized, like, I was, like, the one where it's, like, oh, like, we need, like, a young, like, offensive coordinator, like, Kingsbury. Like, that's not even working out for Arizona, really, right now, as we're, like, learning. Like, now my whole thing is, like, it shouldn't be drafting an OCDC, like, offensive-minded. It should literally be, like, the culture thing because, like, you do well – when you build a good staff around you, you have a good culture. Players want to be there. Players want to play for you. Players respect you. Things like that. Like I don't, I don't think you need to be like an offensive-minded with like this quarterback and have this like dynamic duo. I think you can still have that without being offensive-minded. And you know who's a perfect example of both of those things is two Belichick. incredibly successful head coaches. It's Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. Yeah, Bill Belichick is a defensive guy. Yeah, but I mean, but he's he's more hands off in general. Like his like his defensive coordinators get jobs because of like the hands on experience they have running their defense. And then Andy Reid is an offensive minded guy, but Bienemy is like a top candidate. They're guys that just kind of run the team and let their coordinators do their jobs instead of calling the offensive or calling the defensive plays over your coordinator's head. And that's the thing. That's like when you really think about it, that's what like a head coach isn't like. That's why you have coordinators. Yeah. I'm like not a fan of this new generation of like, if you get an offensive head coach, he's also your OC. Like, no, he's your head coach. You hire an offensive specialist to run your offense. Yeah. And that's why I really like Salah and that they're bringing for another interview. Cause I think he's like a huge thing that goes along with New York is you have to have the personality. Like I think the giants hit with Joe judge, like Joe judge has Joe judge and his little elves, baby. I'm all in. (laughs) <laughs> I like, love it was Joe Judge. It was definitely like, at the he's top. Awesome. It, was de- it was definitely football guy level a million time. What'd you it say, Mike? It was definitely questionable at the time because he was what special teams for one. Yeah, year. he, he was, was special like, teams for like four years, and then he was the wide receivers coach. Oh yeah. But okay. as it turns out, New England can't draft a wide receiver to save their lives. So, so it turns out it he was definitely wasn't like it was definitely a questionable decision. But like we're learning, like he can coach one and number two, like. He fits New York. His team plays hard for him. Culture, that's all that matters. And that's like a big thing. So, and LA needs to do the same with that. Like they need to find a guy that's going to fit the culture of whatever LA. Like, I think New York's culture is better than LA. Like, I'd rather coach in New York than LA. But that's besides the point. Like, they need someone. I think to- I'd rather coach the Chargers and the Jets. Yeah, exactly. I think I'd rather be in the New yeah. York market but I'd rather coach the Chargers than the Jets. Yeah. yeah. Well, right now the Chargers are pro- are obviously like way more um they have a better roster. No, that's more, that's uh, the only reason I'm saying that. Yeah. No, I know they're more like uh I'm blanking on the word. You know what I'm talking. They're better at football. <laughs> Talented, I think <laughs> is the word. They have, they have the established young cornerback like if the Jets had the first pick and like a co- any coach going there was like essentially because from what I hear, like the Jets' decision is being made by Douglas and whoever, like the new coaches. That's ultimately what the quarterback situation, like, is going to be decided by. So I feel like if we, if like, say they had the first pick, like every coach would 
like whatever coach they would offer would want to go there because he'd probably have some pull and be like, yeah, I want Lawrence and I want to build like with him, which you can't like blame because Darnold's going on his fourth year and we like, it's still questionable. Like you don't know. And time I think even in that scenario, I'm still going to Los Angeles. I think you guys are more than a quarterback behind the Chargers talent wise, and they're still going to have an early pick. On top yeah, of I'm, I'm not saying, no, the, the Chargers job is probably the most um, attractive. Attractive out of all, like it's hands down. I mean, well, the Jaguars have the number one pick in the most cap space, which is, which in itself could yeah, but they're put not in the, LA. They're not an LA. No, I know they're a shit market, dude. Playing in yeah. Florida has to be awful. Like coaches will rather go like like a huge market that's a horrible team and like a small market with like a horrible team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well the Jaguars are are trying are reportedly hire are gonna hire Urban Meyer. That's yeah. what I wanted to talk about next. Did you hear the number he wanted to come out of retirement? Yeah it was yeah. 12, 12, 12 million. million for a first oh, yeah. time well, NFL head coach. Well if you think about it, Matt Rule got nine million and Urban Meyer won three national titles. So just tack on three million for your national titles and there we go. I guess, but I mean, that, that, I just feel like a huge deal. I don't know. And I'm not sold on Urban Meyer being able to take his style to the pros. I'm not either, but who are you hiring outside of him? Like, who wants to, like, to Mike's point? I mean, like, there's who, all who's these gonna... other coaches that are being interviewed by all the other uh, six teams as well. I have one guy who I think would take any job offered, and that is Deuce Staley of the Eagles, who has been passed over in his own organization four years in a row for every promotion he's been offered. Well, I think if someone think... offers him a gig, he goes. Who is he? You guys are uh, interviewing him, I think. We're gonna and we interview him every year. He got passed over for Doug, passed over for Press Taylor, passed over for Reich, passed over for Flip. We always interview him. We just never yeah, give him the job. Some of those, I guess, but like looking at it now, like you can't be mad he got passed over for Reich. He's you the know, only one I'm cool with, honestly. Well, Peterson too. Peterson won you a Super Bowl. Like you can't look back on it and be mad. I guess at this point, but no. I'm just saying that, like, the fact that we're interviewing him, like, we interview him for every position. We're probably not going to give it to him. What's his position right now? Um, Assistant head coach Mm. and running running game coordinator. Yeah, maybe he'll be promoted to OC. Yeah, can he call the plays for a year? People have been begging for that for the last two – ever since Reich left, we've been begging for him to call the plays because we stopped running the ball entirely when Reich left. And we have have a really good running back. I know, like, probably, I mean, we'll see when Saquon comes back, but, like, one of the best running backs in the division, if he comes, if, if Saquon comes back fully healthy, that's different. But if he's slowed down at all, Stan is right behind him, and we don't use him. So, I think he goes to Jacksonville or anywhere, Houston, like, anyone who throws him a job, he'll be on a plane, I get the feeling. Maybe. But, I would agree. If you keep getting passed over within your organization, like, yeah, and we could give him like dummy titles. We're like assistant to the like a personal assistant to the head coach, which sounds cool, but like you also know, like, disrespectful. Yeah, he didn't do anything. Like he was just on I the mean, sideline. I mean, I mean, if Harry Roseman is in in the owner's ear and the owner has like his head in the sand, it would explain why he keeps on getting passed up. Yeah, both of those are accurate. But I want to get off the pros because the there was a huge game that happened. And it made me feel a lot better as a Notre Dame fan um, because Ohio State also got their cheeks clapped by Alabama. 
by a wider margin than we did. Not that it matters. We still, for the people in the back. <laughs> yeah, we still got blown out, but I want to I want to tone down the slander a bit because it wasn't just us. Alabama yeah, after watching, is just that good. After watching that performance, Clemson would have had no shot at beating them. No like, one else no did. Sh- no shot. Yeah, I don't think anyone else in the country could have gotten any closer than the three team, the two teams that tried. Yeah. I also I feel think like Clemson could have done better. Clemson probably they could have, but they could have lo- also lost by twenty. Like I feel like they could have well, lost like technically 50 better. To- well, yeah, yeah, they lost by twenty-eight. Still. Like I still don't think Clemson would have covered. Like I don't know. No. no. Here's what I don't we think knew anyone's going- covering against them. <laughs> Anthony, here's what we knew going into the game. We knew Ohio State's defense was going to be a huge issue because. Yeah. One, no one can hang with Devontae Smith. And two, they don't have a guy that they can at least try. Like, Wade is not the guy. They like, had Notre- a linebacker on Devontae Smith. He was, like, 10 yards behind him in the middle <laughs> Notre- of the field. Notre- that yeah, was I know. They played, they played a zone, and they didn't know how to play. They, like, didn't play the zone right at all. They didn't so- circle Devontae Smith's number on the drawing board. Especially when Waddle was out, I mean, or limping at least. Like, you have one guy you need to focus on. I know Matice, Mechie, whatever, I mean, he was Mechie's a good. Mechie's Mechie. good. But, like, he's not Devontae Smith. Yeah, obviously. But, like, this is – again, this is what we knew. Like, Notre Dame had a better defense. They have the Buckus Award winner. Like, they have guys – like, they have a better – they just have a better overall defense than Ohio State. So, going into the game, you need Ohio State to do what they did against Clemson, and Justin Fields needs to go another 22 for 28, five touchdowns or whatever he did that game. Not to ask for. So, when the game starts and Trey Sermon goes down, that automatically hurts a lot because Trey Sermon yeah. has played really well the last He's few good. games. Master Teague ball, though. That wasn't their biggest he did, issue. But when you have the extra option of Sermon, it's – a bump that helps. Also, Justin uh, Fields wasn't 100 percent healthy. Play. Justin Fields did not play. No, he didn't look himself. anywhere as well as he did. He didn't even play that good. He had there was some flashes and good plays, but he had a hot start, and then it kind of just quieted down till the half. And then second half, we saw what happened in Alabama. Just was just throwing like just yeah. Just Najee Harris was just you can't stop him. You. I mean, when you think about it, the scary thing about five, it was after Devontae Smith went down, like Alabama them. still kept the pedal down on higher stakes. So it wasn't even that close of a talent matchup. It the wasn't because they lost their best player. You on got all three of the top five Heisman, Heisman. Like you, if you count the top five, Harris came in fifth. So three of the five, the top five uh, votes for Heisman were their quarterback, their receiver, and their running back. And <laughs> They have they they had the guy that won the Remington Award. I'm pretty sure for best um, center. Like yeah, like their offense was just like, best left tackle. I think too. Yeah, they, they just had Other it going, way. and their defense. While their defense is good, like they're they're still young, and that was like the weakness that Ohio State needed to like, like Ohio State just needed just score. Like if they wanted to win, it had to have been just like a shootout, and that's what they didn't do. Like Sertain is obviously like great, but other than that, like. Moses is good. The other guys are good, but they're all like young and inexperienced. Yeah, which means in a couple of years, Alabama's defense is going to be one of the best in the country again. Next year and the year after, they're going to have the best. They're going to have like another just sick defense when it was like Deron Payne and all those guys. It's going to be insane. So I guess I've always been wondering like when the Sixers were really terrible, people were like, oh, you know, Duke could beat them, Kentucky could beat them. 
could this year's Alabama team beat any NFL roster? No. No. I'm just saying, no. like, usually in the past, I'm like, no. Like, let's say the Jaguars, like the Jaguars had smoked them. I think Alabama would cover, like, a two-touchdown spread against them. This is the closest I think it's been. Yeah, this team, no. I think, was the most complete, where it wasn't all defense think, and a game manager. I yeah. think LSU's team last year was better than this Alabama team. True. It's True. Close. They said I, I think LSU's LSU a little bit. It, it, it doesn't get as, like, noted because it wasn't Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Najee Harris. But that LSU offense, every one of those starters – on the, those 11 all got signed to a roster and then their defense you have the guys like that we obviously saw like i think like, lsu sent 20 guys to the league yeah that's yeah. i think it was like a record that's almost both sides of the ball exactly yeah. the whole offense got signed and then basically the whole defense so i guess even that has there been a team we'll include that lsu team has there been a team in the last like six years you think could hold a candle to any nfl team over the last six years no matter how bad no, I think no, the last two are the closest. Yeah. Yeah. Are, yeah. Those are the closest, but it's like an NFL roster, even if you're like a bench guy, like you're still in the NFL. A lot of those guys on those starting rosters, even for Alabama and LSU, won't make it to the NFL. Yeah. Or they'll be the same bench guys that we're talking about. Yeah. Like yeah, the, thing and with then, the, um, and then the backups that come in, like like the, the subs that come in, like won't make it. It's just, it seems bad, but like, when you got NFL bodies like playing against college, I know it's Alabama and stuff, but like all those guys going to the league are gonna need to put on like they're gonna need to get their bodies ready for the NFL because it's even the worst teams. It's it's not like some. It's not. It's not a joke. It's yeah, one team that would be an one team that would be an interesting case would be the Clemson team from a couple of years ago. If you guys remember that front seven on defense, mm-hmm. yeah, that was the best pretty sure they're all in the NFL right now, like playing well. And like, and you can put, and that offense was pretty good. Obviously, pretty good too. Like that could be an interesting case because you actually know those guys were good in the pros. But obviously, we don't know. LSU, yeah. their guys are going to be pretty good in the pros. We'll just have to see with Alabama. That was a yeah. That was a huge game. I prided myself on calling correctly. I said like it wasn't Clemson was just going to blow them out. Like it wasn't even going to be close. It wasn't necessarily a blowout. And I literally said because that defensive line, even like the subs were like the third rounders, like the the front, yeah. like the D line, like the first four, like the Will, um, like Dexter Lawrence, like all those guys, mm-hmm. like literally all first rounders. Like that was like the best D line I've ever seen. And being a defensive team, I think makes it easier to close the gap because if you can keep it low scoring, a couple opportunistic plays on offense, and you're right back in the game. I think having a high-powered offense in college go against a high-powered offense in the pros is a lot yeah. harder to cover. Just oh, yeah. cover a spread on. But when we're talking about talent gaps, there's like there's been a big debate now about how we're going to even handle the college football playoff. Because since it's been created, I think Alabama's been in all but one. Um, and then you have Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, LSU and Clemson thing and the other the other, oh, and Oklahoma have all appeared. Washington made out it of once. the hundreds. Really, Washington okay. like, yeah. yeah a few years ago so like they once. were like running. They it. got smoked. Oh yeah, they snuck in and got clapped. But mm. like teams like this year, like where you had like an undefeated Cincinnati team, um, you had a couple other like power like big five 
group of five teams who could have made a claim. Um, but like resume doesn't really matter all that much. Like an Ohio state team with not a great resume, but we knew they were good, got in over a couple teams with better resumes who played more games. So if that's the case, then do we create a separate playoff for group of five teams or do I just accept that they're never going to make? Well, that's you know, the, the issue is why I think they need to expand it from four. Cause unless you want to watch the same Alabama Clemson, and, like, the interchangeable, like, it's been Notre Dame. Like, they made it two years ago and then made it this year. Like, those, like, interchangeable teams, like, you're really not going to get anywhere. If you want – if you make it six, it gives the opportunity of, like, a Cincinnati, like, like for them, the committee to be like, yeah, like, I want to see them in the playoff. Like, they did go undefeated. Like, I mean, they blew that game at Georgia. That was really frustrating. But um, that's besides the point. Like, it gives think- that – not saying that they would just slide them up an extra two spots because I think Cincinnati was what they played Georgia. It was eight versus seven eight. or something. Yeah, yeah, like. But Georgia was a two-loss team ahead of them. Granted, they play exactly, as SEC and that's schedule. why I think like it's like the four team is complicated because like it's only going to be Power Five teams because we've seen no matter what teams do, if they go undefeated, even if they have like a deep good out of conference. If their conference isn't a power five, they're not making it. And that's where I think. Yeah, which I think is unfair, what? though, honestly. I mean, I, which I think is kind of unfair. Like, I think it should be harder for power for um, group of five teams to get in. But if they run the table and play good competition, what Cincinnati did this yeah, like, year. They were a team that, like, deserve, that could have deserved to get in the four. Granted, they would have lost, like, just like any team would have. But, like, it's. That's yeah. like it's unfair, but it's not. But it's like unfair when you look at like a two loss team. Like I know Clemson lost to Notre Dame, or no? Yeah, they lost to Notre Dame. Yeah. No, but wasn't there a two loss team? No, there wasn't. No. No. Um, I think I think it was the next closest two loss team. I think Georgia was the highest ranked two loss team. Okay, never mind then. I don't think there's been because the Ohio State team didn't make it like two years ago or whatever it was, but like. It's it's complicated because then you see a team like Notre Dame get in where it's like they just beat Clemson the first time. Like you kind of have to use like an eye test as well. Like, but Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing, so like they easily could have ended yeah. up being a two loss team. And then, in my opinion, A and M was the better team. Like I know you're like saying like look at the spread with them in Alabama, but like it's like complicated. It like it's it's that's why like that like it's all complicated. I'm confusing myself right now just thinking about it. And that's why I think like six teams would be a lot better because I think, I think my biggest beef was like the fact that Ohio state got in, which they made it to the championship game. And I'm glad they lost the way they did. Cause if they had won, I think it muddies the whole situation even more. Um, Cause they're a team that played six, six games in a week conference this year. The big 10 this year was not good. Um, but because we knew Ohio state was talented and typically good enough, they got in. Whereas a team like AM showed they were good enough this year and didn't. Yeah. But then at the same time, like people will look and say like that's to no fault of the team. Cause like Ohio State was the better, like better than AM and Notre Dame. Like they were the better team. Like and like if they and they played horrible, like they obviously didn't play well in the national championship. If they played well, I think it would have been a lot closer and we would have been like, wow, like that's a close game. But it's like like, I don't know. Like, who are you? I think I'm just saying, like, it opens the door to, like, 
teams who are immensely talented and maybe they stumble out of the gate or some other circumstance where like for the same, like Ohio State got in because they were the third most talented team, I think in the country. And they showed it. I mean, they deserved yeah. to be where they were, but there's something about playing the game. Like, otherwise, why do you line up and play? I mean, these other teams played an extra four games where if Ohio State had played another four, they may have lost, I guess is what I'm saying. Like they got in based on purely the eye test without the schedule and without the resume. They got placed in, I think, because it was a lot like the main pieces were returning from last year. And we saw what they did last year, took Clemson literally to the wire. Like I don't blame them for putting them in for the eye test because it, like. But if that's the point, then like, why don't we just take the preseason top four and put them in? Because I, I think just, this year is just a yeah, Joe. Sorry, everything. I'm oh, sorry. Just no, finish your thought. Finish your thought, then I'll go. Just everything with COVID that's going on, like we're not going to see, like it's not going to be normal where it's like a six-win team. Like, get, like this isn't going to be like a norm where we have to like worry about this. I think this year the committee was focused on the record, and then a team like Ohio State, like yeah, six and zero won the Big Ten, even though they didn't have like the eleven games, like they were clearly one of the top four best teams in the country. And we saw them beat Trevor Lawrence, like, like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't think it's like an issue we really need to talk about too much because it's not going to be like this again. Yeah, exactly. But the thing I'm thinking is like going from four to six probably is the most logical, but it's still going to be kind of the same teams getting in every year. I don't think it creates that much um difference i think the only way you make a real difference and make some of those smaller teams happy is making it eight teams yeah. you make it eight teams you have let's say like kind of the preliminary idea i can't like a lot of people have probably said this but you have eight teams you have the winner of each power five conference goes automatically like an auto bid kind of like march madness then two at large bids and then one non-power five team gets in no matter what you could seed them however you like. The non-power five team would probably be eight every time, but that would—that's the only way you can make Cincinnati happy. You can make UCF happy, Coastal Carolina, BYU teams like that. That's the like that's the only logical way to fit them in. Like even with six teams this year, I don't see how you could have put Cincinnati in. Well, like my, you think of it with eight. No, and that's and the thing. When's Cincinnati the last time you saw? Yeah. And when's the last time you saw like a group of five team crack the top 10 prior to Cincinnati this year? Well, my whole thing would be like the thought process of like the committee would have to change of six teams. Like I still think it would have to be like, you can't put a two team, a two lost team in a playoff when there's an undefeated team that has a good resume. And that like, yeah, like, like Georgia was seven or whatever that like, whatever they're, they were ranked six, whatever you said they were. No, Oklahoma was six. At, at the, well, at the end, I, I forget what, like, before all those, like, bowl games was. But, oh, or, yeah, no, Oklahoma was six. They ended, right? Yeah, Florida was Yeah. Six. Well, Florida, Florida dropped there. because, like, that's, that was frustrating, too. But, like, um, like, I think if you make it all of a sudden, like, there's six playoff spots and you treat those six playoff spots as if there's four playoff spots – like a two a two loss team like um like Georgia and Florida like they're not even going to be considered like like there should like it should be like super rare circumstances where a two loss team deserves to get in 
even if it's to like the one and two, if it was like a year where like the SEC just hasn't like that, like still shouldn't even be in. But that's where I think then committee would like bump up like votes for teams like a Cincinnati or like a Coastal Carolina, I don't even think would have made it at eight. Yeah, but I'm saying, okay, so with my idea, let me just, so it's basically what I'm trying to do is eliminate just people making judgment calls, pretty much. It's like have more of a standard, like yeah. each of the power five teams, championships, champions make it. So in this situation, it would have been Alabama still, Clemson still, Ohio State, um, Oklahoma, and um, Oregon would have made it. Then you would have had seven. This is Oregon. Oregon won the Pac-12. So I'm saying each team just winners of all the power five. Yeah, and then so so then the next the other teams would be Notre Dame and Texas A&M, and then the eight seed, which I can call like the wild card, best of the rest would be Cincinnati. Yeah, so it's two. That's that's how the the playoff would have gone if it was up to me. Eight teams, more standard. Notre Dame being in the ACC now kind of makes it a little interesting. Yeah, that actually yeah, makes you'd be me... sending two from one conference. Yeah, but like, if you if you consider them still an independent for next year, can you consider them a wild card, which would take Cincinnati out? No, I think if we're an independent, we'd have to we'd have to get in at large. Yeah, I think that'd be unfair it, to the group of. It's five. a little int- the thing that really like I love the idea that I say, but if Notre Dame's still an independent, it makes it a little different. I think it'd be so stupid for us to go back to being independent anyway. The ACC was really good to Notre Dame. We had a good schedule. We had a consistent schedule. We got to play Clemson. We got to play UNC. We got to play Miami. And there was none of this, like, well, you only played 10 games thing. I don't know why on earth they'd go back to being independent. They will. They will. But I don't know why. But I like that idea. The only thing with it is, like, that's where you're going to get all, like, complaining where it's like, oh, like, Florida, who is like, like obviously, like this year, like Cincinnati. There's like, like the, I genuinely think they were like they were our top eight. But like in a normal year, where you just like take the best of the rest, if it was like this year, where it's like say like a Florida that like isn't top eight solely because like some dude was a moron on the team and threw a shoe and just cost them the game, and then they lost to Alabama. It's like, like I, like I like the idea because you want to see like those non-power fives. But I think every year like a non-power five isn't worthy. But that's the, that's kind of the point though. Like if I I can get that, because if you're the number one seed at that point, like the number one seed in like every sport everywhere gets either a buy or you play the worst team available. The number one play number four is not that much of a treat. They're both pretty close talent wise usually, but if you're number one in this scenario, you're playing the group of five team. That should be a pretty easy first round for you at that point. So it all it rewards number one for getting the number one seed, and it creates parity for the power five, the group of five getting in. A group. Yeah, I think uh, the thing is, Florida had three losses. That like, like even yeah, it was the shoe game. Yeah, they lost to Alabama. Well, they lost to Alabama. Like, I can't get over. It. Yeah, I know, but still, like three right, losses. Yeah, that's a little too much. Should have beat LSU. No, you're should've right. You're right. Like, right. Then, then say like say like Georgia, because who Georgia lose to? Florida and Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a team like Georgia, like on a normal year, not saying this year on a normal year, like a non-power five team is never even like, like rarely even like top 15. Like, and I like, again, I like the idea because it shakes things up. And it's like, if it was like this every year where like a, just a non-power five was consistently in the top 10 and just getting snubbed, 
But besides like this year and the like this year and then the UCF year, like I just feel like a lot of teams would be unhappy because it's just like there's a lot of better options. Like it might be a Big Ten team, it might be like like the whole like winner of each power five is good because even if one of those conferences is like really bad one year, like it's reliable that it will just bounce back and like the winner would be like a valuable, like a valid candidate to be like a playoff team. But like, cause like, yeah, you have like a Clemson, if you do, like who will always be good. Like SEC, we don't need to talk about Big Ten. We don't need to talk about like the Pac-12, like, and, but it's just like, I don't know. I think what you're discounting though is like what Joe's plan would do for a group of five schools. Like the schools would get better because of that. Right now there's no path for them to get to a playoff. So these like high, these three and four star recruits and five, they're not going to get fives. Like they're not going to these schools because they're not going to be on the national stage. If there's a path for them to get to the playoff, we're going to be seeing more power five football and they'll have a chance to make it to the playoffs. So those teams are going to get more talent because of it. They are, but they're not because there's only so many five stars and even four. They're not going to get any fives. They're not getting five stars. But even right now they, they'd be in the mix for threes and, and fours. All those guys go power five. Yeah, because those they do now. Cincinnati has a chance to make it in the eight seed every year and get smoked by Alabama. Like that's not like the mindset of someone. They're going to be like, oh, I'm getting offers from these power fives or I can compete on a big stage, nationally televised games all the time. This that like they're gonna go there. I can. But see if you're that. a guy who's gonna wait to wait until like a lot of guys in Alabama, you're not seeing the field until you're a junior or senior. Like especially well, even like well, fours yeah, and fives. But that true, in football but, like, it doesn't matter because to... you can't leave until you're like a junior or senior. Like the thing with these like Coastal Carolina teams and stuff, all these guys were just like undermined in high school, and they turn into being like, like it's like the guys that are clearly not ready to be anything, and they go. And they go for a full four years every year trying to develop. And, like, there's where these, like, good coaching candidates come out of. And that's how, like, these teams end up being good. It's not good because they're getting good recruits. It's because they're, like, building and teaching them how to play. Not how to play. Yeah, because yeah. those four stars like – if that four star goes to Alabama and he sits on the bench for two years, like, like Nick Saban is teaching you in the game of football. That's that's yeah. worth more than starting for Najee Harris you know. is a great example. Like yeah, so least, I guess I'm just saying like there's need at, at the way we currently have it set up and the argument like Mike's making specifically is that like there's never going to be in that system there's never going to be parity. So like this playoff is going to be the same eight to ten teams competing for four spots, whereas there's hundreds of Division One teams that could make the sport a lot more interesting rather than seeing and i'm a notre dame fan rather than seeing notre dame alabama ohio state clemson lsu oklahoma and in the off chance one strange team like there's gonna have to be some kind of sacrifice i agree with you but those teams just have like such a monopoly on college football in terms of recruiting and coaching that it makes it really that even if you do expand it spend the playoff they're still going to be dominant yeah, at the end of the day, there's just so much talent to go yeah. around, and the select few teams just get the best talent, and they know how to develop it even further, and it's just like... Because what's really going to change this is, is when, like, Nick Saban retires. Because when Nick Saban retires, Alabama's going to, like, stop getting recruits, in my opinion, for, like, a little while. It yeah. depends who they hire as the next coach. No, yeah, it's I'm still gonna... Alabama. He built up that culture. I don't think it's going anywhere. 
He's, hire, he's gonna hire someone from within, and it's gonna it's gonna be like Ryan Day stepping well, in in Ohio State. I'm telling yeah. you. Well, like, uh, I'm not concerned either. Like, <laughs> it's Alabama, bro. They've dude. historically been good. It's not like they just they didn't just blow up out of nowhere. But he yeah. is. I mean, there is something to be said for when a dynasty changes hands, though. Agreed. Yeah. And like but when no Saban leaves, there is gonna be, be a difference. Like no, like dude, what Saban is doing is like. It doesn't come like no one's expecting. Like no one's gonna see. Like now that he's out, like oh, Saban's gone. Like I'm not. I'm just not gonna go to Alabama. Like everyone knows. Like whoever replaces him isn't gonna achieve what he did. If they do, that's just insane. But like, because Saban's not even close to. Yeah, done I think either. if he leaves, dude's gonna no, go to he's a not ten that piece. old. But like, yeah, true. I don't know. I feel like just I just I just wish there was some kind of way because the much as I like college football, like I I got bored watching the playoffs yeah. this year because you you just you already knew before you got there. Yeah, like this year it didn't matter. Like Alabama I, was smoking everybody that they played. Nobody was stopping them. This was the least viewed college football playoff uh, since. How they many created. How many people watched it? Only eighteen million. Yeah, that's not a lot. The previous low was two thousand four with twenty one million. Mm. Again, you don't have to get into this, but make it a freaking weekend. True, Monday night blows. <laughs> I'm sick of this. I'm taking I, a Joe, stand. Joe, Joe, I agree <laughs> with you, but like they can't compete with the NFL. Players. No, no, I will not take no for an answer with this. Sorry. I, I agree <laughs> make it with you. Friday Still night. Line in the sand. Make it Friday True. night. Yeah, but if Friday night, Natty. Football. The bars would be buzzing if it was on Friday Bro, night. Imagine Friday night. Oh my God! Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know. Oh, the trifecta. Monday, even a Thursday. Like even a Thursday. Like, not Monday. Maybe there's some like contract BS that's like preventing them from doing that. But cut, cut it. You can't can't cut. Tired of this. Like I'm tired of this. Like because like I remember when I was in like middle school, and I'll be like, "You have school tomorrow." I'd be like, "This is terrible." God. And it's because still like, the case because now. ESPN has the title game, so maybe they're maybe they want the game on, on a Monday night because they also have a wild card NFL game. Mike, get your sister that. on the phone. I have some questions. I mean, dude, I think the thing with Monday night is so many people are used to watching football on Monday night anyway. They just like that is true. Monday nights but it's are clearly only- not working. What? <laughs> Like it's definitely not working. Like no one's watching I mean, I these games. Say it's the not problem. working because I mean, it's I, working. It's not that it's yeah. not working this year. Yeah, just, like it is working. No one cared to watch it because we all knew the result. Yeah. Like LSU last year, Which Clemson. Is like issue. I knew LSU was going to win, but it's like it's not the same. It's not Alabama. Like it's like, Loki, you're going to get more viewers when it's not Alabama. I swear. It sounds dumb, but when you get these schools that yeah, are well, in it every year, you're going to get. Everyone watching because all of a sudden it's like fresh. It's like just fresh, like refreshing. While we're dishing on ESPN for this coverage, can we just talk about the need for five channels to air the same? I game saw that. I saw that. I saw the Nickelodeon. It's the stupidest ESPN shit ever. To ESPN U, like ESPN something something. I'm like, what's going on? They should put us four on ESPN. Yeah, there's Ocho. <laughs> yeah. But there's like there's one where they're in the booth, one on the sideline, one with the analytics oh, yeah, guys, they have the one, one where it's like, with like all these weird angles and no one talking. Yeah, I don't like that type of stuff. No one's watching them. That's the one I love to get the numbers on. Is who's watching like the silent like stadium angle 
ver- like version. Who's at home going like, oh god, I'm glad yeah, this that is happens on. with basketball. Like when we're at, when I'm at school, like depending what network, and I have to stream it, and you just get like the hoop cameras, nothing else, no sound. And it's just the worst thing ever. <laughs> it's horrible. I hate it. All right, well, we're talking about camera angles. I think we're going to close on the experiment the NFL went for. Are we? Do we like Nickelodeon covering football or not? It was definitely a cool thing, and it's smart because you're teaching the younger generation what NFL and how to watch it. So huge marketing success, I think. I did you guys? It. Did you guys all watch it? Yes, I used it. Yes, I I didn't watch it. I I saw it on Twitter. It it seemed pretty cool. I feel like for that game. It didn't do it justice because it wasn't that high scoring. I feel like if it was like a really high scoring game, it would have been even better. But also, like if if, Nick, if Nickelodeon wants to cough up money to the NFL in order for in order to get a game, why not? If you're the NFL, you should just do it. Why not? I right, well, back and forth because I like Romo, like listening to Romo. But yes, yeah. So I, on the other hand, am ten, so I exclusively watched it <laughs> on Nickelodeon. It was I must awesome. say. It was awesome. Like the slime cannons in the end zone was so cool. Like I should have done an edible before watching it, but <laughs> I mean, this was I, I'm so I'm watching it. My dad's getting pissed. Taylor's like, I'm so happy it's not for the Steelers game. And I'm just like, this is just great. Like if I was a little kid and like I didn't know much about football, and you're just like, wow, like Nate Burleson was awesome. I don't know if you guys he, he, he called such a good it. dude. The references were on point. Yeah, it was really awesome. He, there, someone was like, well, what do they do if they have to go to the bathroom? He's like, well. <laughs> like, <laughs> they made it, like, so funny and kid-friendly. It was they did. It was awesome. Yeah, and, like, there was some other stuff they did. Like, uh, it was, like, Best Buddies. It was, like, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and, like, SpongeBob <laughs> and Patrick. I was like, this Oh, the duos? Really cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a really good duo. Who was it? Uh, I don't know. The end like, just everything was like on acid too like the first down marker was like levitating and like slime colored all the Mm -hmm. field goal nets were spongebob's face i just don't know why they chose to expose the kids to a bears offense yeah yeah it was like maybe it was like decided mvp yeah maybe the game was like decided before the season started and they just had like a wild card game and that was just the game they got Either that or the NFL didn't want to cough up a good game to Nickelodeon, so they gave him the Bears. Maybe. The Bears were just like – I saw some funny tweets about it, though, man. It was like, it was like, what is Nate Burleson going to tell kids about the about what Taysom Hill does? How is he going to describe that? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, he's oh, lucky no, Nick man. Foles wasn't playing. Like, some kid would tweet in and be like, why are they? Why does my dad keep calling him BDN, Nate? And then they'd have to explain <laughs> why Nick Foles is hung. <laughs> I saw what it was like. Hopefully, Nick Foles doesn't have to play, then they'd have to explain Nick Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything about that game. Yeah, I would watch, especially now that my team's awful. Like, I want them to pick up the Eagles next season just to make me happier watching that. I think it's something they'd probably want to grow. Maybe do like once in the regular season, once in the playoffs next year. I don't know. I don't it's know. Crazy like- smart what we are with on time, but that's another thing. Like, the Bears got to figure out their quarterback situation. God, it's God neither of the two they fans. currently have. Facts. But I don't know who else it is either, honestly. Bad Matt Stafford? <laughs> Deshaun Watson? Who knows? Deshaun Watson to the Bears makes the Bears a really good team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah except they should have taken him with the second overall pick. Yeah. Instead, And, I, and now it's going to cost you four picks in order to actually get him. 
I mean, yeah. again, it's it's the Texans. They tend not to value their players too highly. I mean, I mean, they're very adamant about not trading him, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. That honestly, we could do a whole episode on the Bears, and like, it still wouldn't be enough time. There's just three seasons of just cloudy judgment and Mitch Trubisky. But it's but, like yeah. at, at that's the thing with the Bears. Like, it's they're not good. Like, obviously. But it's not like talking about like the Jaguars or like the Jets, like or a team like that that's been consistently bad. It's like you could see they like talent. they're okay. Like I don't know. Like they played like they were in the playoffs a couple of years going against the Eagles, lost that game on the, the double, double doink. doink. Like <laughs> there's like, and then like this year they go they start the season five and zero. Oh. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. It's just a weird. They have a great wide receiver one. They have like eight tight ends on their roster. <laughs> they're confusing <laughs> situation. They have a very good defense. Yeah, like they have yeah. a top two, three edge rusher in the league. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't know. It's almost hard to be bad. You have to like go out yeah. of your way to mismanage that team. You think it's, it's because it's like the, they were really Foles and Trubisky no. and and that like messed up the play. I don't know. Well, Trubisky looked better in his second try. Fired. Like I don't know if, I mean, it's it's not that it's late, but if he's getting fired, like they got to get a move on because I like I think some teams will start announcing coaches within the next week. Nah, he's staying. You know? I, I'm pretty sure they said he's staying. They would have moved him by I mean, now. I I would, they should get a new GM. Should, I don't think he's that bad. That's what I. That's what I said. I, I Fire on pace. GM. I don't know. Yeah, that would help. I mean, I my thing with their GM, besides the like it was bad that they took Trubisky, it was bad that they traded up to get him is the real problem. Yeah, that was but I don't worse. think their GM's done bad. Like he's like but, some of those guys they drafted, I think are good. Like the Khalil I Mack agree trade, with you. I thought wasn't bad. Like he's Khalil Mack, like yeah. Like I agree with you. It's just that if you need to if you need to find the next quarterback, because that's totally what they need. And if you're trading four picks to move up one spot to take Mitchell Trubisky, then then I don't know if I can trust you to find a quarterback this time. You see, see I, I disagree with that because that was probably his thing. Like it was probably like, hey, this is like my like like I'm putting all my chips like all in. Like I'm going in or out with it. If it works, it's gonna be like the greatest thing. If it doesn't, I'm gonna get clowned for it. <laughs> and while Trubisky isn't good he's not like the worst thing they could have like no but they the gave up to like what they gave up is they, like they, they gave up like they gave up like three draft picks to move up one spot and it was like which i think was stupid like i don't know why they moved up because i don't think san francisco was going trubisky but they might but have. yeah you see the thing is like what happened was a team was probably on the phone trading up to two to get trubisky and he had to overpay because they clearly wanted Trubisky. So 49ers put him in a situation where they were just going to benefit regardless because they would have just had each team counter offer until whatever team gave them the best offer they were just going to give the pick to. Yeah, like the thing is the thing is with GMs so like Ryan Pace, he when you when you're a GM and Brandon, you can attest to this too. If you've which the Bears haven't done, if you've fired two head coaches. The You're GM gone. should be fired. They yeah. haven't done that. But I think a fireable offense is fucking up drafting your franchise quarterback. If yes. you do that, I think that is a fireable Plus offense. the other two. 
plus the other two, mind you. Like yeah. if they were to move on from the coach, he'd have he'd have bingo. Yeah, exactly. Like I just think those are the two things that that's a fireable screwing. That's the big thing with you when you're a GM. If you mess up drafting your franchise quarterback, you just didn't do a good job. Yeah, luckily they haven't sunk a ton of money into him yet, so like they can still like, get. That's out just of so much capital. A number two over number two, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. That's just such a good pick. Well, well, they also have Foles' contract, which is stupid in itself. Mm-hmm. So now, how much like, that, did they take on that whole thing when they got him from yes, Jacksonville? They, 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 did. They, they took him on mid mid second year, so now you have him for another two years with God knows how much money left. A it's lot. just a, it's just a, Allen Robinson's a free agent. You're, he's probably going to be gone. Like I like I don't know what they're going to do. I can't see why he'd stay. He's a number one receiver on a lot of good teams. Come There's 20 the teams. He's a number one receiver. Come to At the least. Giants. Dude, Please. honestly, we did it once. I'll take a flyer on another Chicago number one wide receiver. Just ship Alshon back there, and then we'll take the new one. Just don't like a lease. Him. It's like a lease. <laughs> like a lease. <laughs> All right, we're at an hour and 15, and I don't really feel like editing more than an hour and 15 minutes of material. Facts. So we've, we're at a natural conclusion on this one. Clearly, we've been needed because an hour and 15 – this is our new personal record by almost three times. Yeah. All right. So you got to end the um, recording, Joe, since it's on your side. All right. Cool. Stop.